Good morning, good afternoon or good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Damien Barr and I'm welcoming you to another Salon Exclusive, where you get to be the first to hear about the upcoming books we are most excited about. Today's reading comes to you live from the 18th century. The Intoxicating Mr Lavelle is the debut novel from Neil Blackmore, although you would never think it was a debut reading it. It's absolutely fantastic. This sumptuous book follows the trail of the foppish Bowen brothers embarking on their European Grand Tour. Now, the two brothers are very different in character, although they're very close, and they've been primed by their parents their entire lives to make valuable social connections and possibly even find wives. One brother is listening to that and heeding that advice and the other brother, let's just say, is very much not. The book is seductive, mesmerising, ferocious and, well, quite sweary. So, let's meet the two brothers in a fantastic exclusive reading from Neil Blackmore and a warning, Mr Lavelle is fast and loose on the F-bombs. Hello, I'm Neil Blackmore. And I'm thrilled to be doing this reading exclusively for the listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon for my new novel, The Intoxicating Mr Lavelle. The Intoxicating Mr Lavelle is the story of Benjamin Bowen, the narrator, and his brother Edgar, who are sent by their brilliant social climbing mother on the Grand Tour in 1763, after cloistered bookish childhoods in London. They are to travel across France and Italy in search of culture, but more importantly, fabulous new friends, and to return to London to inherit their father's shipping business, with a list of powerful new contacts. Instead, they encounter the magnificent, malevolent Horace Lavelle, who unravels their plans. The book is a love story, a story about dangerous first love, and about mad love, about how Lavelle utterly takes over every part of Benjamin's mind, with his riotous, mischievous intellect, taking pot shots at the truths of the Enlightenment, and it's about the way we allow ourselves to become entranced by another person. The book takes place across the great cities of 18th century Europe, London, Paris, Venice, Florence, Rome and Naples. And like the character Lavelle, is darkly funny, intellectually irreverent, and asks bold questions about privilege, class and identity. But at its heart, it asks what we'll do for love, and what love will do to us. So here's a reading for you. In this scene, Benjamin, the narrator, meets Lavelle for the first time. Arriving in Italy, Edgar becomes ill, and almost for the first time in their lives, Benjamin is left alone. He wanders around the provincial town of Oster, ending up in a gloomy church. He doesn't yet realise that someone is watching him. Upon reaching the dull Gothic nave, I stared up into its featureless ceiling. Somewhere nearby, a group of despairing nuns stood gazing up. One of them whispered in Latin, he died for our sins. And I thought, what a bloody stupid thing to do. No one asked him to. I heard a voice at my shoulder. I say, are you English? An unwigged, golden-haired young man was peering at me. His skin had the gilded pinkness of an Englishman in the South. He was a few years older than me, a man rather than a boy. He wore a royal blue coat, so deep in hue it seemed to jump off his body. His cravat was badly tied, and he was handsome very handsome, as handsome a man as I had ever seen. I am Mr Horace Lavelle, he said. He was gazing at me with amused intensity. You are English, aren't you? I can tell. I am Mr Benjamin Bowen, I said, my eyes glancing nervously across the floor of the church. Where are you looking? I looked up at him, 
and now he was observing the ground too. Then he lifted his eyes. They were like sapphires, very bright, very alert, and he grinned at me. Are you admiring my shoes? They are rather lovely, aren't they? I stole them from the Elector of Bavaria. Truly? No, he said. Of course not. It was from the Queen of Poland. He rocked back and roared, a loud, glorious, shameless laugh. It rang up into the eaves of the church, echoing, and then fell back down onto me. The Latin-speaking nuns watched us, their faces mean with the suspicion of something. You are just arrived. I am here with my brother, my brother Edgar. I have noticed you these twenty minutes, I see no brother. Twenty minutes? Had he been watching me, truly, for twenty minutes, and I had not noticed him all that while? You are quite alone. Do you have a brother at all? I knew that he was teasing me. My brother is ill, I said. He has eaten some spoiled yoghurt. Puking himself all the way to Rome, is he? He burst into loud laughter again, every bit as riotously as before. Now the nuns were wearing their annoyance like armour. You're making enemies, I said. He blew through his lips to show his disdain. I don't care. You must like it, Oster, if you've been here two weeks, I said. I was becoming nervous under the intensity of his stare. Have you been to see the arch of the Emperor Augustus? Now I was trying to be clever. It's all grey bricks. Oh, sir, are you truly asking me about the Emperor Augustus? Truly, are you asking me about some bricks you saw once? His face loomed close to mine. I couldn't give a fuck. Next you'll be quoting Montesquieu at me. His grin turned devilish. If we are going to be friends, he said, learn this. I do not give a fuck. Why are you in Italy, he asked, when I still had said nothing. We are on tour. You're in Italy? For the culture? Oh, you fibber. Really, Italians, what culture do these sweaty morons have to speak of? I could hear my mother's voice in my head. Petrarch, Boccaccio, Dante, Leonardo, rhapsodizing, hymning the names. Now he called them sweaty morons. The whole point of the tour is to see the culture. At least that's what most people think. He fixed me with his eye, then shrugged nonchalantly. Mr. Bowen, as I say, I do not give a fuck. Did you not hear me? And I particularly don't give one solitary fuck to what people think. And then he smiled and walked away, out of the nave. He did not look back. He did not need to. He knew I would follow him, and I ran to his side. Then why are you here? I asked urgently. With perfect timing, Lavelle stopped so that I almost ran into him. He looked up at the ceiling, the muscles in his thick, hairless neck tensed. His face tilted back. The suffused lighting from the church windows fell on his face. Then he slowly breathed in and licked his lips absent-mindedly. How beautiful he was. I have had enough of this. We were passing the outraged nuns. He leered at them, and the poor virgins all shrieked at one. This shithole! he yelled in Italian. One of the sisters crossed herself, and the others looked like they were about to wet themselves. We tumbled out of the church and peeled away deeper into the town. So why are you here in Italy, if not for the culture? Lavelle raised an eyebrow. Firstly, my parents forced me to come. They thought it would do me good, stop me inseminating their maids. Really? He squawked. Of course not. Then why did you say so? For ironic effect. The slowness of his words drew me in. For ironic effect. I have come to Italy for beauty, the pursuit of beauty. Lavelle looked back at me. 
but I have decided to find beauty where I choose. I do not need a guidebook written by John Locke to tell me what to think. My mother is a great admirer of Mr. Locke, I said. Lavelle gazed at me. Of course she is. Then, with his finger and thumb, he caught my cheek, not tenderly, but with a flick. It's adorable that you do not understand the rules of English cruelty. What do you mean? I asked. He sighed mock unhappily, mock sympathetically. What do you mean? What do I mean? Do you think the Duke of Fitzroy or the Marchioness of Shuttlecock give a damn about John Locke? They don't have a clue who John Locke was. They barely know who Sir Isaac Newton was. They don't even know how to wipe their own asses, let alone the first bloody thing about Pico della Mirandola. Turning to me as we walked, he asked, Did you make good society in Paris? Yes, we were known. It's a very elegant thing to say that one was known. Oh, my God. And by whom were you known in Paris? I spouted surnames, Anson's, Russell's, Harvey's, and Lavelle just sniffed. My God, the whole thing sounds truly horrible. Sir Gideon Harvey, I said. Lavelle just groaned. Appalling. Do you know him? I asked. Lavelle came to a sudden stop. I almost banged into him again. I do not need to, Benjamin. May I call you Benjamin? He did not give me a chance to say yes or no. Just putting those words together, those three words, Sir Gideon and Harvey tells me everything I need to know about him. He sounds awful. He paused spectacularly well. Was he awful? Well, come on, you can tell me. His eyes were alive, swimming with mischief. Yes, I confess. Yes, he was absolutely awful. Lavelle smacked his lips, as if blowing me a kiss. Do you drink beer? That night I drank it until my blood was the colour of amber. I drank until I was drunk in a way I had not done before. He told me how he had been brought up in Ireland and how his family were ashamed of his pleasure-seeking. I think with my member and not my head, he joked. But everything he said was so hard-tuned, so clearly designed to provoke, I did not know what to believe. I told him about my upbringing, about my mother's devotion to learning, her, her faith in advancement, our seclusion from the world. You were locked in a room full of books when you should have been out running in the open air, he said, when you should have been out with your friends. Did you feel alive growing up? His question was very serious. I didn't think about it at the time. I was surprised. I felt emotional. But I didn't. Maybe it was the beer talking. Afterwards, the two of us walked back in the direction of my lodgings. As we walked, I watched the moon, yellow against the dark blue alpine night. And what did your family do? he asked. That most English of questions. I told him about my father's shipping company. When I was done, he rolled his eyes and cried, But you are trade. You must see that all those lords and ladies in Paris would have regarded you with the utmost contempt. I took a breath. Abruptly he turned and began to walk, hard to the right, away from where I was going. I took two steps after him and called, Will I see you again? He swung around without stopping and was wearing the most glorious, the happiest grin. You shall see me every day from now, tradesman Bowen. He winked at me. I have come to save you. Thanks for listening to the reading. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you'll enjoy the book. And who can resist a dandy that promises you the world? That was Neil Blackmore reading exclusively for you Salonistas. 
The Intoxicating Mr. Lavelle is published by Hutchinson and available in all good bookshops, so head to your local indie now and get yourself a copy. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our newsletter on our website or check out our YouTube channel and join us again soon. Thank you.